0: I am Ryan Ross. I'm one of the members here at An Alaska Church of Christ, and I have the privilege of filling in while Pastor Craig and his family are getting some much-needed time and rest off. So um, so we are in week two of a new series entitled uh, 31 Days of Prayer, looking at ways in which we can grow in our prayer lives as Christians. Um, and so last week, Pastor Craig uh, introduced us and started us off in three practical ways that we can start to, to grow and deepen in our prayer lives. Um, and to go along with this series, um, within your bulletin, we have a, a prayer guide that can help us to put some of this into practice with a, a daily prayer uh, as we pray as a church for the search for a new uh, youth and family minister and for our, our youth and family ministries here at the church. Um, so while there's many different ways to talk about prayer or conceptualize prayer, different models about prayer, for the sake of this series, um, we are looking at prayer as a conversation and communicating with God. Um, and so to kind of ease into this topic a little bit, uh, we're gonna do I'm gonna do something just a little bit different. I'm gonna invite my wife Kelly up front. Um, and we're going to have a conversation, okay? Hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. So how are you doing today? I'm great. Cool. Yeah. You just witnessed a conversation. <laughs> Mind-blowing, right? Okay, so conversation theory. A, a speaker has an idea, generates a thought, says, considers, how am I going to get this message across? I send a message. The person receives it, makes some interpretation, tries to figure out what are we talking about here formulates a response and sends it back right communication pretty straightforward so um we're going to play out a conversation here uh we'll say hypothetically it's our house after I've come home from work okay so all right coming in from work hey Kelly oh gosh Uh, I missed you today I love you oh Oh, gosh. Oh, thanks for taking care of the kids today. I see you did the dishes. Thanks for doing the dishes. Oh, my gosh. And dinner's ready? Yeah. Oh, my favorite. This is so good. I can't wait. Oh man, it's been a long day. You won't believe the day I've had. Like, there's this budget that's just overwhelming me today. And man, there's this thing, this report I have to do this state with all these budgets and numbers. And it's just a whole lot. And my mind's just like everywhere. Like, the the universe just needs to quiet down for a moment. (laughs) Oh, oh, and but but good news! My coworker she had a baby today. That was so cool. exciting. Like we celebrated. And we're trying to figure out like bir- uh, baby shower, not to have a baby shower. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so we Heart. could pray for her. Like uh, I think that'll be great. She's excited to be a mom for the first time. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, I have a thing that that project I'm working on in the garage. So uh, after we eat, I'm going to go down, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll connect later. Okay. Cool. All right. See you later. Oh. Okay. 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 <laughs> Communication? Conversation? But I had an idea. I sent it over. Okay. Okay. Wondering, with all the nervous laughter, what if that was like our standard of conversation, which I'll, I'll throw out there, that's not how we talk. At least I hope that's not how we talk. Um, what would you say is the state of our marriage? If that was how we talked all the time to each other. Yeah, not very good. Um, do you think our relationship, our marriage would do well at, at, after months and years of doing that? Yeah, probably not. Uh, we would try to make it work. Um, but this happens sometimes, right, where one person does all the talking um, I was trying really hard. She she was trying to edge her way in there, and I was just like, ignore it, ignore it. Uh, But this happens a lot uh, in our lives. And, you know, I think uh, some of the sad reality is when we think of the concept of prayer and talking to God, I wonder how many times do we approach it in the same way, that we go, hey, God, glad to see you. Glad to spend time with you. I love you. Thank you for all these things. Um, Here are the stresses and and worries I have from today. Um, Here are the things of other things going on in the world, things to celebrate, things to pray over. Um, And yeah, now I got to go. I got to go do the next thing. I'm on my way. Kind of comparing that to you can look at this and kind of chuckle and join in like the yeah, that's not really a great way to communicate with my wife. And yet I think that's oftentimes how we default in our prayer lives. I know I do that at times, and uh, I'm sure many of us do. And, and the unfortunate thing with that is, is when we don't know how to engage in the conversation. Um, as you can imagine in a, in a marriage, if we were to keep doing this day after day, month after month, over time there's going to be like this division, uh, there's going to be the separation of all of a sudden my wife becomes the person I live in the same house with, and eventually it's just like the person that's there, um, and eventually it just becomes this, this distant bitterness grows, and all of a sudden it's just like, and here we are. Um, likewise, if we approach the conversation with God this way, and we don't pause to consider the conversation, how much over time do we start to feel like, is God really there? Am I just throwing words at the ceiling or at the wall? Is prayer even important? Why should I devote time to it? And then eventually, our confidence and our boldness in prayer and in joining in this conversation with God slowly starts to diminish over time. So today, uh, for the topic, uh, we're going to be focusing in on how do we engage in that other half of the conversation. Um, so today I'm going to tackle how can we hear from God in that conversation loop. And then Craig is going to take us forward into how can we show up in that conversation loop in the coming weeks. So, um, so the outline for today, we're going to look at um, five ways that God speaks to us that show up in scripture over and over. And then we're going to spend a little time at the end talking about three principles of application of how we can put this into our life to help grow our prayer life. Um, for this to, to land well, we need to have some basic agreements going into this. Um, so three things that I would like for you to consider as we go into this. Uh, one, the Bible is true. I am going to throw a whole lot of scripture at you. Um, and there's a purpose for that. Um, two, we have to acknowledge that God wants to be in a relationship with us and that he wants to be in communication with us. Uh, the best example of this is the Christmas season we just went through. God, in all of his mightiness in heaven, decided to come down onto earth as a human child to engage in relationship with us, to redeem the relationship between us and God. And then third, we need to acknowledge that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, when Craig talked uh, a few weeks ago, about the everlasting Father, uh, he cited Hebrews thirteen eight that 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 shared this verse that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, because of that, for each of the five ways that God can talk to us, um, you will have three scriptures in your bulletin outline that talks about how did this show up in the Old Testament. How did Jesus teach about this in the Gospels, and how did the apostles write instructions to the new churches, uh, to the early churches, as to how they can continue to grow in this moving on. All right. So we're going to go through five methods, promises, and potential pitfalls and dangers of each. So let us start with number one. How can God speak to us? How can we stop and listen to what God has to say to us? The first one is through scripture. John's gospel begins with these words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and through him all things were made. Uh, It puts forward that um, the word of God is the physical manifestation uh, of God's presence to us on this earth. And the mysteriousness of John's words here is that it's talking about the word of God, like the I'm speaking word of God, um, as well as an allusion to who Jesus would be and come to be here on this earth, this physical presence of God among us. In the Old Testament, um, Moses is nearing the end of his life. He's just led the nation of Israel through the wilderness, and they're about to go into the promised land and Moses knows he can't go on. So he hands the mantle off to a young man named Joshua, or a younger man named Joshua, who is like, Holy cow, this is big shoes to fill, Moses' shoes. And he's like, How do I do this? And he is nervous as all get out. Um, and so early in Joshua, God speaks to him in Joshua 1 8, Keep this book of the law on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So Joshua was like, how can I do what Moses did? He did a lot of amazing things. Let my people go, the ten plagues, split the Red Sea, manna in the wilderness. And now I have to take that up? How can I do that? And the encouragement was, meditate on this book. It will give you guidance. It will teach you the way to go. Centuries later, Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy. The early church is forming. The nations are not liking it. There's persecution everywhere. And Timothy is not sure how to lead his young church. So Paul writes his encouragement to him in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do when it is right. God uses it to prepare and equip equipped his people to do every good work. So again, as we're going out into this world, we're forming a new church. We've never done this before. How do we do this? The encouragement is come back to Scripture. It teaches us the way we can go, the good ways, the wrong ways. In general, when we pray and we ask God of some things, we can go back to Scripture. How can I be a better parent? I can open up Ephesians 6 or Proverbs 28, and God speaks to me through his word of how I can be a better parent. If I want to learn how to be a better spouse and actually listen to my wife instead of talking over her, I can go to Ephesians 5 or 1 Peter 3. If I'm a new Christian and I'm like, how do I make sense of all this? Psalm 119 talks about how a, a young person can keep their way pure and straight. So God speaks to us through, through his written word. But along with that comes some, some dangers and some, some struggles with that. I think the most uh, foremost one is we can't expect to hear God if we don't ever read scriptures. Uh, if we don't ever open our Bibles, if we don't listen to an audio recording of the scripture, we can't hear what God has to say to us. And we start talking over our, uh, our other person. Um, sometimes when we sit down, um, especially if you're newer in faith, um, you're reading these words and you're like, what on earth is this saying? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And you're trying hard to to read and understand, but maybe uh, it's just not there. You can't get the interpretation right. Uh, sometimes we read the scriptures and we can misinterpret or misimply, read out of context. A lot of times we hear like these good one-line verses that are thrown out, uh, but do we understand the fullness of what that, that means? And later we'll, we'll talk about... Um, how how we can approach some of these dangers. Um, But um, the last one, I I don't know what we can do to to change some of this, but uh, the last danger of hearing God speak through his word is if somewhere in our hearts and our minds we are rejecting scripture, whether that is the Bible in its entirety, um, believing that this is just nice words written on a page, or if we are uh, skipping around reading, it's like, you know, chapter 3, verse 7 is my life verse, but chapter 8, verse 1, eh, that one I'll just ignore and I'll put it over here. Um, God could speak something really clearly through that, but if we're selectively reading, uh, again, we can silence how God is talking to us. So one way God speaks to us is through his written word, um, which is probably the most important because all the rest of these link back to, to scripture. So the second way that God can speak to us is through his Holy Spirit, the other part of the Trinity. Uh, The word is the physical embodiment. The spirit um, is the breath of life that comes from God. So how the spirit shows up throughout scripture. Um, In the Old Testament, there is a prophet by the name of Elijah, and he lived in a time Uh, where the ruler was King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And they were recorded as some of the most evil people in history. So the context of this verse is uh, these two rulers have set out to round up and execute all of God's people. And so Elijah, knowing this, runs and hides in a cave, deep in a cave, and essentially is praying to God, God, why have you forgotten about us? Why have you forsaken us? Where are you? Where is your voice in all of this? And in 1 Kings 19, we see this play out. Um, After he prays this prayer, then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind, there came an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. And from that whisper, uh, if you go and read, God speaks encouragement to Elijah, tells him to come out of the cave. He tells him uh, how we are going to move forward and what his plan is. Sometimes God speaks to us in the soft whispers um, if we are quiet enough to listen. The Spirit comes up again later. Um, Jesus' is last night with the disciples. After the Last Supper, he tells them, the world is about to get really crazy. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. You're going to be uh, persecuted, driven away, hiding, scared, terrified. But he gives them this promise in John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So again, the disciples are, are going to be overwhelmed. Our teacher has just been killed, murdered, How do we navigate this? And Jesus promises the Spirit will come and guide us. Paul continues this. Also, towards the end of his life, he is on his way to Rome. or He's in a jail cell in Rome, waiting for his trial and ultimately his execution. And he's writing his last letter to the Roman church encouraging them in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know always how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. What's interesting is a few verses later, he also writes that it is also Christ Jesus who died, who was raised, and is at the right hand of God who also intercedes for us. So God can speak to us through the whispers. He can speak to us through his Spirit. And what's uh, yes, it is up there. Um, this passage in Romans eight is is interesting that it talks about the Spirit is there interceding for us all the time, and so is Christ Jesus. In uh, the fourteen hundreds, a Russian painter by the name of Rublev uh, painted this picture of Romans eight, calling it the Holy Trinity. Um, and what you see at this table is God the Father sitting at the head of the table, Jesus on his right, conversing with God, interceding for us, and the Holy Spirit personified, interceding for us. And it's kind of an odd art, art style, but um, there's an open spot at the table. The small box at the front indicates here is an open spot. Um, For us to come and join in the conversation. Uh, Hebrews talks about we can boldly enter into the throne room of God and make our requests known. Um, But likewise, in a social situation, has anybody been in this situation where a conversation is happening between a couple people and then somebody just kind of walks in and kind of just starts talking over uh, the scenario? You're kind of like, well, what on earth are you doing? It's kind of (laughs) rude. This is a great representation, that there is always a conversation happening. Um, and sometimes when we say, why isn't God talking? God is always talking. This conversation is happening all the time, Roman, as, as Roman 8 tells us. Um, so sometimes when we come into prayer, maybe it is pulling up a chair to the table and pausing and saying, God, what are you praying about? What is on your heart? What, what is going on in this conversation? How can I join into it? So there are many engaging with the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit um, could be a long conversation. Um, if Bruce is here somewhere, one of our elders, Bruce, led a, a study on the Holy Spirit. And if that ever comes around again, I would encourage you uh, to go, go check it out and really dive deep in, into this topic. Uh, but on the converse side, listening to spirits and the Holy Spirit, uh, there are some pitfalls and dangers that come with this. Um, I think the first one is if we're too busy and too loud. Uh, and in our American culture, we greatly value being busy. Um, going places, doing things, jumping in the car, switching from one Zoom call to the next Zoom call, and social media. Um, much like Elijah's experience, God doesn't show up in the big, doesn't always show up in the big things. Earthquakes and fires and calamities, he shows up in the whispers. And are we taking time? to quiet ourselves, to listen for the whispers. Another challenge that comes up is uh, we can deny the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, in First Thessalonians, Paul warns about this with an encouragement. He starts off uh, 516, Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, for Christ Jesus in you. The next verse goes on, but do not quench the spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test all of them and hold on to what is good. So what is he warning here? Pray for all things, but do not quench the spirit. Quench means to silence. Um, it's literal translation means to put out a fire. Um, so we can say, eh, that Holy Spirit sounds kind of like spiritual, v- mystical weirdness. Like, I don't know about that. So like, let's put it over here. Um, But then if we're like, why isn't God talking to us? And we've silenced a component that God can speak to us, uh, we can sometimes get stuck. The other part of this verse is, but also test all things. There are lots of voices and small whispers in our heads. There are things I want. There are things the world tells me. There's a small whisper from God. How can I discern all these things? And this gets hard. Uh, Jeremiah warns of this. He says, our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all all things. Who can understand how our hearts work, the desires and longings of our hearts? If I am praying like, God, what should I do? And in the back of my head is like, you know, you really want this. Like I could easily misunderstand, misinterpret, like what is God trying to say to me um, by imposing what I want over the top of it. And then also, uh, John writes to, to the churches, um, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Jesus taught the shepherd or the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. There are lots of voices out there, right? Scrolling Facebook or social media, there's so many voices out there, and some saying I, I have this background, I have this understanding, I have this education. Um, but again, we're to test everything back to scripture. It should align with scripture. The last challenge we have is that some start to idolize spirits. Like, I can't move until I hear something or I feel something. Um, and we give so much power to this, this sensation that we can, we can uh, stifle what God is really trying to lead us to. So, with that, we can add to that a third way that God speaks to us. And that is through each other, through others, and the body of believers. King Solomon, in all of his wisdom, writes in Proverbs Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they can succeed. Again, in this last uh, Christmas series, Craig talked about Jesus as the mighty counselor the strategist, the person who plans things and helps give advice and guidance. So consider, who are the people in your lives that you consider as trusted advisors? When you're not sure where to go, who do you reach out to? Do they speak encouragement? Do they speak to build you up? Do they speak truth that aligns with Scripture, that aligns with the Holy Spirit? We can rely on others because as Jesus sent out his disciples in Matthew 10, he talks about, at that time, you will be given what is to say, and it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you. The disciples were sent out into the world to be ambassadors and representatives, not God on this earth, but God's messengers here on this earth, and we can support and bring encouragement to one another. Sometimes, again, like if we're struggling with understanding what the scripture passage is telling us, we can reach out to another who says, I can understand this and I can help explain what is going on here. And that dynamic Paul writes about in First Corinthians twelve, he talks about the church as a body. It's not about us being individuals, but it's about us being together. And each of us has something unique to bring together. Um, He starts off in verse 7. To each one of us is a manifestation of the Spirit given for the common good. To one, through the Spirit, there is a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing. And to another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing the spirits, to another speaking different types of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All of these work together for the one and the same spirit, and he distributes to each of them just as he determines. So again, if I don't understand scripture, I can reach out to somebody who has more wisdom, more knowledge, more training. They can help me understand what it is that I'm reading. If I'm feeling lost and overwhelmed, and I, don't, I can't make sense of all the noise in my head or the world around me. I can go to somebody who, who can step back and look at the, uh, the lay of the land and kind of help give me grounding and guidance. If I have a different, difficult decision to make, is there somebody who can uh, give insight, wisdom, and knowledge to me? The church does not exist for us as individuals. But it exists for us to encourage and build one another up for the common good. So as we reach out to others, as we minister to others, uh, we can be God's messengers to one another. So the challenge that comes with that then is what happens if we don't have that community? What happens if we are not reaching out? We are just, this is me and my journey, and it's me by myself. We silence the opportunity for God to speak to us through others. Likewise, as the church, if we are not reaching out and sharing of our gifts with one another, we are also robbing people the opportunity to hear God from us. Maybe some of us have a gift of wisdom. We understand things in a way that others don't. We can help teach and share. Um, Some of us can speak really good to the kids. I, I know right now we're trying to figure that out. It takes a unique gifting to, to impart all of this to the youth. Um, so we have to work together. Some of us uh, are really good with having uh, a gift of faith when some people feel like it's hopeless and overwhelming. Some of us have just that optimism, that faith. God can do it. And we need you to encourage those who are really struggling and in dark places of their life. So we need that community. The other danger that comes along with that, though, is if I'm picking my community, I can certainly find three people that agree with me on an opinion that I have. Um, I can go out and select my community and say, hey, we all agree on this? Cool. There, I have my many advisors, and we all agree on everything, and nothing can ever change. So we have to be mindful of that, too. And then on the flip side of that, a danger of our relying on others is when we start to idolize others. And sometimes we get into that trap as well. Like, I can't do anything until I talk to Pastor Craig and he blesses me for whatever decision I'm about to make. So don't call Pastor Craig about, should I have meatloaf or lasagna for dinner until somebody else says I can do that, right? But we do that a lot. We're like, I have to rely and wait on somebody else rather than trusting and relying on God. So we can listen through scripture. We can listen through the spirit. We can listen through others. Another way that God speaks to his people is through memory and recall and recalling our histories. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If he has done it in the past, he can do it again. We may not need a new answer. Sometimes we ask for, God, show me something new. It's like, but I've already done it. You don't need anything new. That challenge came to Jesus, and they were like, do this miraculous thing. He's like, it's already been done. You don't need any more. Deuteronomy Moses writes, "Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and He will show you. Ask your elders and they will tell you. All throughout Scripture, there's too many references. I didn't want to flood the board. Um, it's a recollection of, remember how God brought the people out of Egypt. Remember how He provided for them in the wilderness. Remember how He provided for them entry into Israel. Whenever things got dark. Uh, Scripture, the the people of Israel recalled, God did this great and wonderful thing for us then. Why would he not do great and wonderful things for us now? And on that journey, all along the way, if you read the Old Testament, there are always these piles of rocks. I never understood this, but it it worked for them. Um, And it recalls that some of them still stand. This great thing happened. Let us make a pile of rocks And that will help us remember. So when we walk through this field again and we see why is there this strange tower of rocks, it's like, oh yeah, that thing happened. Remember how great God was and this great thing he did? Now I can recall. In Psalms, David writes, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done and I ponder the works of your hands. And in days of future persecution... The the author of Hebrews writes to the early churches, We are not among those who shrink back and are lost, but among those who have faith and are saved. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And by faith, and it goes on for about 60 verses, by faith, this is what Abraham's story was. By faith, this was Isaac's story. By faith, this was Jacob's story. And it goes through the list. Uh, the, the hall, it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. is how some people talk about this chapter. And it recalls the history to this young church, this young group of churches that are facing struggles and persecutions. And the author is encouraging them, look how God has provided for us over the years. Will he not do the same again? The challenge with remembering some of the pitfalls that come with this is we're human. Our brains are wired for survival, and so therefore, um, our brains tend to recall the negative things much more easily than the positive things. If I touch a hot stove, I want to remember, don't touch the hot stove again. If somebody hurts me, I'm going to remember, don't trust that person. Over time, when we think back on memories, Our natural instinct is to remember all the horrible that has happened and how we need to remember that to to keep ourselves safe and preserve ourselves. And in the midst of that, it's hard to remember how did God provide? What was God doing at that time if we remember all the hurts that came to us? Many of us have been through dark times of hurts and injustice, pains and losses, but really encouraging you to step back. And try to recall moments of gratitude. Where did God provide for us? Which is point two. Pitfall that we we run into is if we don't stop and remember. Again, in this day and age, there's so much information, there's so much busyness that we can just run from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing until we're exhausted when we fall asleep at night. If we don't stop, make intentional time to recall how did God show up today? How did he show up in the sunset? How did he show up in my conversation today? How did he make sure sure that I had enough gas in the gas tank or food for today? We can quickly lose sight uh, of how God continually shows up in the day-to-day. The fifth uh, way that God speaks to his people through time is through signs and wonders and miracles. Again, the author of Hebrews talks about we must pay attention, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testifies to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. All throughout Scripture, God does amazing things that strike awe and inspiration in others. We have Moses in the burning bush. Interesting story in Numbers 22. God couldn't find a prophet to speak through, so he speaks through a donkey. Um, Elijah calls down fire from heaven and burns up a stone temple of Baal. Acts chapter 1. The the 12 disciples, well now are 11, because Judas has fallen away, are trying to figure out who's going to be the 13th disciple. They pray, they do job interviews, they have two great candidates, and they can't decide. They're asking, praying, they can't determine. And so in Acts chapter 1, it talks about they cast lots. They roll the dice. Evens, it's Matthias. Tails, it's Matthew. And they roll the dice, and then Matthias becomes the new 12th disciple of the group. We see dreams, Old Testament, New Testament, and dream interpretation. We see healings by Jesus, Peter, and John. We see signs or times when God speaks audibly to his people. I think uh, most often, though, when we look at signs and wonders and what can fill us with awe that reminds us that God is here and God is present among us is through creation. In Job 37, Job is going through a horrible time, horrible time, and he's lost everything, and he has three friends who aren't really great friends, just telling him to curse God and die. And, and Job's response here in Job 37 is uh, he talks about the, the greatness of God. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, fall on this earth, and to the rain, be a mighty downpour, so that everyone may know his work. When his friends are saying, God's abandoned you, God has left. Job is like, no way, because the God who made this world, who calls rain onto the earth, there's no way. Psalm 19, David reflects on this as well, saying, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard, yet their voice goes out to all the earth. Their words echo into the ends of the world. Creation speaks and speaks out for God. I think about that, like even amongst friends who are non-believers, they talk about when life gets stressful and overwhelming, they go for walks in the woods because there's just something about nature and creation that we cannot deny that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. the danger, and some of the pitfalls to, to signs and wonders. Sometimes we're waiting for a burning bush moment. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a prayer and somehow magically in the sky was a neon sign that says, here's your answer? That rarely happens. It does happen, but rarely. Um, And sometimes we get so envious and so desirous of signs and wonders that we start to idolize the hope of them. And we start to see things creep up, such as like horoscopes and astrology and dream interpretations. And like, I want it so bad. I want this sign so bad. I'll latch onto anything. Um, And that can get us off track. Jesus warns in Matthew 24, there will be many false messiahs and false prophets, and they will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive us all. So God can speak through signs and wonders, but we also need to be very mindful that just because it's a sign and wonder, it does not always mean that it is God. Uh, John, writing to the churches, echoes the same thought. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test all the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets go out into the world. It always comes back to test this out. Our best way of testing, through scripture first and foremost, through the convictions of the Holy Spirit, through consulting with many advisors, recalling from the past, all of these can work together. Because there are five ways that God can speak to us, and there's probably many more. God is not limited to a bullet point list. Like These aren't just his options. But God can speak in multiple ways. And depending on how we converse, depending on what makes sense to us, God can speak in lots of different ways. For some of us, we hear loudly through scripture. We can sit down and we can encounter God in that conversation by reading. Some of us, our mind and our emotions and our mental health is just so overwhelmed that we really need to rely on the support of others to be God's voice in our lives. For some of us, we are just so waiting on that miracle. We're so waiting on that sign and wonder. Like we're just praying for, for, for healing and for health and for strength. And we're just waiting for God to speak to us through that. But through all these things, a uh, theologian, Richard Blackbee, wrote, writes, when God speaks, he does not give us a revelation about himself that contradicts what he has already revealed in Scripture Rather, God speaks to give application of his word to specific circumstances in our lives. When God speaks to you, he is applying to your life what he has already said in the word. Paul writes about this in Corinthians when he talks about the body of believers and that there can be a multitude of gifts. He encourages, while there are many gifts and many ways to build up for the common good, God is not a God of disorder but of peace. These things should not be arguing against each other. So, with this, five ways that God could speak to us in a conversation and through prayer. The question is, how do we grow in this then? It's good, but now what can I do? I am going to take us to Matthew chapter 7. When we don't know what to do, uh, Jesus gives us these instructions from Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you then, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will be given a snake? If you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? So I may not have direct practical guidance on all of these, but I'm going to encourage you with three principles because God can work differently for each of us. Um, The three words we're going to lean into here very briefly are ask, seek, and knock. And for those who know me, here is your Greek lesson for the day. Um, You're getting three words. Ete, zete, and pruo. And because you've been sitting for a long time, Let's engage your minds a little bit. Repeat, repeat those. Ete. Zete. Pruo. Okay. Ask, seek, and knock. These have great implications. So ask, Ete. There's lots of ways we can ask for things. Like, hey, God, I was wondering. Hey, God, can I ask you for a favor? Ate in its Greek, means strictly demanding something that is owed. You promised this, I am coming to collect is the commercial still out there? It's my money and I want it now. Is that commercial still out there? That's Ate. It's mine and I'm claiming it. Hebrews 4 says, let us come boldly to the throne of God. James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, come to God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. I am asking and demanding, God, speak to me. I just gave you 15 verses And there's many more, how God can speak to you in various different ways. And we can come and say, God, your word says, I want to hear from you. Let me hear from you. I am asking to hear you. And for some of you, that might be your starting point of just asking, spending time in prayer. God, speak to me. To seek, Zayte. Zayte means to desperately, desirefully, zealously look for something that is lost, hidden, or unknown. So when I've lost my car keys and it's time to go to work, I am Zayteing the whole house. <laughs> this is not a word, but zeteing is the right idea. Like, ah, oh, where is it? So if God speaks to us, am I zealously, desirefully seeking out to hear from him? Sometimes we're so busy that, again, it's like, I know God can speak, but I don't know if I want to hear him. What if I don't like the answer? So I may ask, but I may not go seek it out. Or sometimes we don't know how to seek it out. What does that mean? Um, So some practical ones. Reading scripture, opening your Bible and reading, seeing where God can show up. Um, starting your prayers by, rather than launching into your your list, spending some time listening, uh, going back to the picture. How can you pull up a chair to the table and sit and listen for the first five or ten minutes of your prayer? Just say, God, what is on your heart? Making time for quiet and reflection. Reflecting on the past, how God has been good to us and to you. These are things we can do to just seek out God. I want you to speak to me. I'm making time for you to seek to to speak with me. And last, we have knock. Pruo. Again, knock could be so many different ways. This is not like a I don't want to wake you up, gently knocking. This means to strike, beat, hit with a heavy blow. Uh, and another. Uh, Um, another application of this word means to knock out. So we're not talking about like knocking on the door. We're talking like Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, like knocking out the door, like, God, I am wanting to hear you. I am punching down the door. Like, where are you? And some of us are at that point where it's like, I need to take intensive action. I want to hear God. I am going to make it happen. What do I need to do And this is, I am not giving up my quiet time. I am making it a priority. This is, I can't remember what I had for breakfast two days ago. How can I recall things from the past? I'm going to write down my prayers, and I'm going to keep a prayer journal. This is, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines anymore waiting for people to approach me. I'm going to go find a a growth group. I'm going to go start a conversation with somebody. I need to build a, a group of advisors. I need to do something. How can I get out there and find God's voice? he wants to speak to us so wherever you're at in your journey God wants to engage with us and he does speak to us if we take time to listen and so our our memory verse for this week is Matthew 7 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you God will meet us in that prayer